Lord, we thank you for this time. I thank you for uh, your people being intentional, setting time aside within their day to come worship you. And so, Father, we, uh, we're grateful for that. But we also, Lord, are grateful for you showing up, your presence here with us. Guide us, Lord, that we might be able to celebrate you in this moment. Remove any thoughts that would hinder us from that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There are uh, some people that are struggling a little bit with why they should be thankful during this season. I mean, I know you and I got the list, right? We got the list of stuff that we're about to eat. Somebody's thinking about the mac and cheese. Somebody's got the greens they're thinking about. Somebody's planning to put the fat back or maybe the the, the hog mog in the greens, get the seeds. I know you're getting ready to do your thing. You know, each culture kind of has its own dishes that are always at the table around Thanksgiving, and you get a little excited. But some people pause and say, well, Pastor, that's just some food. Why should I be thankful during this season? Well, as a believer, I want you to hear from uh, some of our biblical authors, a man named Ezra. If you could turn to the book of Ezra, we're going to look in chapter 3. And I think this kind of story of the people of God that Ezra records will help us be able to have some, some reasons why we should be thankful. Book of Ezra, and if you're in our uh, pew Bible, somebody uh, tell want to tell us what page that is. 390. We're looking at 390. We're going to start with verse 1. The chapter is not very long. Page 390, the book of Ezra, chapter 3. It says, when the seventh month came and the children of Israel were in the towns, the people gathered as one man to Jerusalem. As, as one man. It's it's, it's interesting that you enter the story of Ezra with brokenness. The people of God chose to disobey. They chose to do their own thing. They chose not to listen to God, and so God removed them from the promise, and he moved them, and now they're in a city called Babylon. And, and raise your hand if you know somebody, or maybe your house was a safe place. If you know somebody that's ever been kicked out for cutting up, raise your hand. I know, I, know, I know some folk that, that, that they chose not to do what their mom and dad said, and they had an option, and, and okay, if you want to live like that, then you're going to have to do it out of here. And, and God created the same kind of setup where the people of God were not choosing to submit to his ways, and so they end up in Babylon, but they still are God's people. And so these people are starting to establish some new rhythms. They're starting to be some, some new health. They're starting to build up businesses, and they keep some of their customs. But now people are starting to say, wait, we're not in our home. There's some things in our home that remind us of God. There's some things that we went through in our home that remind us of his faithfulness, of him coming through. And so maybe we should... Consider being back in our home. There's this longing that develops in the people of God of maybe we should be back 
back in our place because this, 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 this land that we're in is not ours. And we get reminded that it's not ours because we have persecution. We have challenges. We have all types of drama when we're not at home. And so we enter into this story with the people of God not home, but notice how it says the people of God are represented in verse 1, as one. It says as one man headed to Jerusalem as one. Family, if there is uh, some random things we're going to draw from here because there's so many beautiful truths and I want to keep you focused on just a number of them. One truth is the importance of oneness, the importance of community. If there's nothing else you could be thankful for this coming year, and I think that there's a lot you could be thankful for uh, during this season, one of the things should be community. If that's community of your actual blood lineage, your family, people that you are, are, have raised you, know you, and you know well, yeah, there might be some folks that you want to wring their necks, but they still your family. But some people don't have family. And so your family extends to your friends. And some of those friends are people that know you better than some of your blood family have done more for you than some of your blood family can finish your sentence like your blood family. Sometimes it's blood, sometimes it's friend, and sometimes it's just people the Lord allows you to cross paths with that you develop a deeper relationship with in your church family, in your church Christian community, whatever it is. There's a oneness that you experience with someone, and that should be something that during this Thanksgiving season you're thankful for. And if you don't have anyone, I pray, I plead that you would reach out and open your arms within at least this church community so that you can grow deeper bonds with sisters and brothers who want to love you. Not saying they'll be perfect. Come to my house, I'm probably going to burn the mac and cheese but I'll love you. And you have people in this place that want to love you. So to be thankful for that oneness. Be thankful for community. Continue with me in verse 2. Then arose Joshua, the son of Josadak, with his fellow priests, and Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, his kinsmen, and they built the altar of the God of Israel to offer burnt offerings on it as it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. They set the altar, altar in its place for fear, uh, for fear was on them because of the people of the lands, and they offered burnt offerings on it to the Lord, burnt offerings morning and evening. And they kept the Feast of Booths as it is written and offered daily burnt offerings by number according to the rule as each day required. And after that, the regular burnt offerings, the offerings at the new moon and at all the appointed feasts of the Lord and the offerings of everyone who made a freewill offering to the Lord. From the first day of the seventh month, they began to offer burnt offerings to the Lord. But the foundation of the temple, the Lord was not yet laid. So now they have gone back. The pilgrimage happening and Ezra himself was not there, but he's re recording all of this 
for us, looking back at the history and recording and sharing this all with us. And the first thing that people do is build a door. No. First thing they do is build a roof. No. First thing they do is build some wall. No. There is nothing. And the first thing they create is an altar. A place where the people of God can worship. They sang, hey, we are one community and there is something key to who we are. Something embedded in who we are as God's people, and it is that he's created us to worship. And so an altar is put together first and foremost, and the people of God now have a place to celebrate God. Family, if nothing else, and I can't keep saying nothing else because then I'll say that for five examples. But there is importance, great importance in us having the freedom to worship, the ability to worship, the tools and resources to worship. And I want to say before this church body, let's not allow it to be something that we take for granted. I share with you all that, uh, that there is an organization called Voice of the Martyrs, and there is a a movement this entire month to remind the church, churches in the West, churches that are affluent, churches that are safe, to not forget the persecuted church. That there are churches where people get punished just for praying. Churches where people assemble like this and they are taken to jail. There's a uh, a sister named, uh, I want to make sure I get her name correct, it is Helen, uh, I, I don't know how to pronounce her last name well, but she's from Eritrea, and I'm going to put in the, in the chat of our YouTube um, her testimony, and she, she shared that uh, her, there's so many people who were being taken, and then you just look up and a person is in jail, but they don't like to put down that people go to jail for being punished as a Christian, so there's just no trace, no, no track record. You wonder where your mother is? We don't know. Where's your family? We don't know. And she was witnessing in the marketplace and Muslims who were supposed to stone her as a woman for sharing the gospel, actually said, stop, let her keep speaking. And because of her influence and people were coming to hear her, the government responded and the government took her away from the city. And they took her to a, a what's one of those things you just got delivered, Ken? Big, big steel containers, you know, that you ship stuff in overseas. They put them in a put her and a ton of people her age in these steel containers. No holes, no light. And they would ask her again and again, will you stop talking about Jesus? Said no. So they would club her to death because they asked her, how is it that you're remembering all this scripture? You have been here for over a year. And she said, it comes to me in my mind. My mind won't let God's word leak out of it. I can't. So they said, okay, if that's where the scripture is, then that's the area we're going to beat. And they would club her. 
And she would pass out, wake up back in the container, darkness with friends, no bathroom, nothing. And again and again, this happened until she was at the point of death. And for some reason, the government does not like you dying in prison. So on her deathbed, they sent her home. And within a month, she somehow was able to be uh, taken to another country, was able to heal, and has been able to be a champion for God's truth outside of her country, as well as speaking truth back into her country. And she's a gospel singer as well as evangelist today. Amen. Yeah, we can celebrate, right? But, but, it's, but it's sad that that type of evil exists as a counter to the beauty, beautiful gospel that God is hoping that we would share. It is a real and present danger. And so when we see in these verses that the people of God were fearing, even though they knew who God was, they were fearing a real and present danger but still chose to set up an altar. Still chose to say, even in the midst of challenge, even in the midst of being persecuted, we will set up an altar. There's some uh, archaeologists, and my sister Edith uh, is a historian. She, I think she might be encouraged by this. There was an archaeologist that was digging in the remains of a school for uh, the imperial pages of Rome, and they found a picture dating back from the 3rd century. It shows a boy standing, his hands raised, and he's worshiping a figure on a cross, a figure that looks like a man with the head of a donkey. Scrawled in the writing of a young person are the words, Alexamenus worships his God. Nearby, there's a second inscription that says, Alexamenus is faithful. Apparently, a young man who was a Christian, was being mocked by his schoolmates for his faithful witness. But he was not ashamed to be faithful. Bullying ain't new, y'all. Being a target for standing for something that represents Jesus ain't new, y'all. We got images going back to the third century of people being mocked and ridiculed for representing Jesus. But is he worth it? This is something we should be grateful for. Should we have a thankfulness in our heart that, man, this has been a rough year, but you know what? This week is coming up one of Thanksgiving. I'm thankful for way more than turkey. I'm thankful for way more than just an auntie and uncle coming in from out of town. I'm thankful that I get a chance to love Jesus and know him. And in this environment, we experience him freely. We got Bibles on the, on the, in, underneath the counter, in the back room, on the... Don't take it for granted, family. Continue with me in verse 7. So they gave money to the masons and the carpenters and food and drink and oil to the Sidians and to the uh, Tyrians to bring cedar trees from Lebanon to the sea, to Joppa, according to the grant that they had from Cyrus, king of Persia. This is a, a reminder that, uh, that, that, uh, that everything you have comes from God. And you know how when Christmas starts getting right, you start thinking, okay, now 
I got to, you know, I got to, we're going to have to drive here. So I might need to save a little bit of extra money for gas. Okay, we got gifts coming up. Somehow the kids don't agree when you say, ah, oh, this year we should just skip gifts. Some reason they don't agree. Kids, for some reason, keep wanting gifts every year, you know. And so, and so you, you got to plan your money out and you start thinking, okay, how do I set this aside to be able to do this, yada, yada, yada. And you get intentional. You, you, you get strategic. You start planning financially. How are we going to make this happen? See, there's a beauty here. There's a, a rebuilding of God's temple that's happening. And some of, this, some of these uh, items came from the previous temple, but some of them came from the people themselves where they're saying, we are going to give so that God's temple can flourish. So that the place where God will dwell can flourish so that we can have a house of worship. And family, I'm, I'm not asking you to, 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 to give a big amount to your church or something like that. What I'm saying is there's a, a, a thankfulness, even in the posture of giving, where they were thankful to rebuild the temple, to be a part of a place that would be a beacon of light to the community, a place where they would be able to experience God. Don't take a church building. Don't take a center of worship. Don't take a location for granted. If it's a school where you're setting up in or a church building or a gymnasium, you should be thankful that we have places of worship. And so, family, if you have a community, we could be thankful. We've got Christ himself. We can be thankful. We've got places and finances that we can use to advance God's kingdom through his church. Be thankful. Continue with me in verse 8. Now in the second year after their coming to the house of God at Jerusalem, in the second month, Zerubbabel, the son of Shelatil, and Joshua, the son of Josedach, made a beginning, together with the rest of their kinsmen, the priests and Levites, and all who had come to Jerusalem from captivity. They appointed the Levites from 20 years old and upward to supervise the work of the house of the Lord. And Joshua with his sons and his brothers and Cadmiel and his sons, the sons of Judah, together supervised the workmen in the house of God, along with the sons of Hinnadad and the Levites, their sons and brothers. Pastor, what is this talking about? There were leaders set aside to make sure that the vision of the temple being created would come to pass. Now, some of y'all are a jack of all trades. Some of y'all can do a little bit of everything. When my electrical has problems, I'm scared. When I have electrical issues, there are people that I'm calling that know how to handle that. When it comes time to cook, my kids say, where is mommy? You see, there, there are certain people who are good at what they do, and their leadership moves forward the vision. We get here the Levites, which are uh, an, an interesting, humble people, because most of the Levites, you'll never know their names. Yet they were in charge of the house of worship. They were in charge of seeing God's people experience God when they came into the sanctuary. They were in charge of helping to See the temple flourish. And here we get a list of folks that are leaders, folks that we should be thankful for. 
This is not a moment where I will toot my own horn. This is a moment where I get to toot the horn of, of our leaders. Even yesterday, we had some amazing servants on the front lines serving in the cold, being the gauge for what the, the, the posture and the behavior and the attitude was. I didn't have a group of people where I had to pump them up like, come on, y'all, quit complaining, quit having this attitude. Our people was good. Our people was like, okay, well, Lord, we going, all right, we got to be patient. Like, the Lord's going to work. Okay, we got to. And that's a great character to have with leaders. Mac family, don't take it for granted. We have amazing leaders, and you should be thankful. Thankful for people that come early to practice so that they could sing and help us experience God. Thankful for people that rake leaves or blow snow. Thankful for people that'll pray, start going over a curriculum, and want to have something for your kids so that the kids can grow up in Jesus. Thankful for leaders that'll get up every Sunday and come do announcements for us. People that'll make sure that the, the pitch of the mics are well. We have amazing leaders across so many different areas and family. Be thankful for them. Don't take them for granted. During this season, make sure you remember that there's a community of people that you get a chance to do life with. There is a Savior that loves you. There's finances God has given you, I don't care how small it is, that you can use to be advancing his kingdom and be thankful for it. And there are leaders among us we want to celebrate Christ for. Verses 10. And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple, the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments came forward with trumpets and the Levites the sons of Asaph, with symbols to praise the Lord according to the directions of David, king of Israel. And they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord. For he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever toward Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. All right, so you got your people. They set up this altar. Now they're like, all right, we're back home. We got this altar set. We are about to get back to the way God originally intended things. God intended us to experience him and to be in his presence. And so the, the temple is for them, okay, I get a chance to be back in God's presence in the way that he designed. Let's set this up. And you have a, a new group of people, some younger Jews, Jews that have, for the most part, grown up in Babylon, like, yes, we're about to build our church, build our temple. The foundation is set, and you get a celebration that happens. It's also like, it's almost like, 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 like you get a, a, a young person's view into, into hoping what God's going to do. Because you see, these people had nothing. They, they, had, they had no temple. And now, in their lifetime, they are starting to see the foundation set. It, it, it's crazy when you begin to think of what could be, right? Like, like I'm, I'm a little bit older, and it's tough for me in my mind to wrap around it sometimes. But, but like, 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 there is no limits on what my children think my phone can do. Cut on the TV. Doo -doo -doo. 
Send the video to mom, do-do-do. Control the radio, do-do-do. Like, like there is nothing that, and I'm sitting here like, mm. you know, feeling old, feeling like it can do that sometimes, you know. But see, their, their mind, through technology, sees no limit. They see it can happen, I just need to figure it out. I know I can make this work, I just need some time with it to make it, to make it work. Technology now has us thinking in a whole new way. I want us as Christians to be hopeful in that same, with that same posture. Hopeful of what God can do in the midst of his body with no limits. Hopeful and say, whoa, okay, we know that there's a lost people in this community. We just got to think of, Lord, how do we care for them? We know that there are broken marriages within the church and outside the church, and we need to think through, Lord, how do we see them redeemed for your glory? We know that there are single people that want to thrive in you and want to be encouraged and want to flourish, and we want to say, how do we get behind them? How do we see our kids not just go to school but be a light in the schools? Lord, we know that there's a way, but we just need to wrap our minds around and think through how to, how to do it. And these younger aspect, these younger crew of, of believers has this great hope when they see the foundation set because they're like, if the foundation is set, we know what's coming. If the foundation is set, now we're going to build these walls. If the foundation is set, set, we're going to experience God and all his promises. That's why they quote one of his promises. They quote Psalms, say, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever, forever, forever. But young people are not the only people that experience God. That mindset is not the only people who experience God. There's a little bit older mindset that experiences God that is just as valuable. Look at verses 12 and 13. Verses 10 and 11 helped us be thankful for hope, be thankful for how God can move, that he can do all things. For me in verse 12 and 13. But many of the priests and Levites and heads of fathers of houses, old men who had seen the first house, wept with a loud voice when they saw the foundation of this house being laid. Though many shouted out loud for joy so that the people could not distinguish the sound of the joyful shout from the sound of the people weeping. For the people shouted with a great shout, and the sound was heard far away. So what has happened? So now there's a new group of people that's like the foundation set. Cool, we can do some new stuff. But there's an old group of people who saw the first temple. And the first temple was bigger. The first temple was more beautiful. The first temple, they remember experiencing the presence of God, and they're looking at this new temple like, a little smaller than the last temple. Foundation ain't adding up. Wait a minute, how are we all gonna fit in this? Well, hold on. Y'all, 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 y'all know. Y'all know it's some churches nowadays. You go in a church and you like, am I in a church? I I see the Starbucks. I see the like, like when you go into a church, give me some things. That, that lets you know you're in a church when you walk into a church, and you can actually talk in service today. What are some things that when you walk into a church, you just know, I'm in a church? The cross. 
Give me what do you say? Worshiping. Hughes. Altar. Bibles, right? Like, like these are these are basics. And I can tell you, there's been there's been some place, sometimes I hey, I get that we need to like work with what we have, right? We started off in a school. The school was not a church, you know? But 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 like these people are weeping because there is beautiful stained glass that sometimes you can walk into a church, nobody say anything, and you can get the story of God by just looking out the windows. There are things on the floor, scripture laid throughout the floor that if you choose to look down, your spirit will look up because you're eating scripture as you walk around. There are pews designed so that families can sit together and you get a sense of oneness, not just single chairs where you can move and do your own thing. You're not an individual in here. You're with a family. You see, they were mourning because they felt like, wait a minute, I know there's a new temple coming, but are we about to abandon all the old? Are we about to let go all that the temple was? Are we going to forget all the ways that God came through for us? And that's the, the, the tension that the church gets a chance to experience. We should always be a people who are grateful and hoping for what God can do, what he will do, what's on the horizon, him coming through. But we always hold back to the past, remembering how he has provided and shown up again and again and again. And so the people heard this loud voice people that were not Christians, people that were not the people of God, people that were worldly, heard this loud voice, this mixture of a joyful celebration and a mourning. They were still one. And part of what I pray we would be, we would be thankful for is a hope for what God can continue to do, but also a, a gratefulness, a thankfulness for what he has already done, how he has already showed up, and how we hope to cling to the past while being excited about the future. This God is with us, and he gives us much, much, much to be thankful for during this season. I leave you with the reason why they were able to do any of this. It's found in Haggai. Found in Haggai. And it'll be oh, up here. Chapter 2. It's because you got like Ezra and Haggai, Nehemiah. They're all like, when you read those together, it gives you like a good insight into uh, the people of God during this time from like three different angles. In the seventh month, on the 20th, 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Speak to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, and say, who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory. How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, 
declares the Lord, be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, work, for I am with you, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts, according to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt. See, 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 we going into we going into holidays where where families differ. It's okay to differ. It's okay to not agree on sports. Because my Cleveland Browns about to play the Lions today, and y'all gonna be mad at me. It's okay not to agree. <laughs> It's, it's okay not to agree on politics. It's okay not to agree on musical worship styles. It's so, there's a lot that we get a chance to differ on. But see, even though the people of God had one group celebrating with joyful voices and another group mourning, they all said, the host, the Lord is with us. They all believe the Lord God is with us. And so, family, as you go out thankful this Thanksgiving, see others who may differ with you and may differ greatly still as people that God cares for. Still as people that God loves. Still as people that God either wants to redeem or is currently doing a work in their life where they submit to him either way. We can differ, but we can still delight in one another. My prayer is that you would be thankful for God who provides us that opportunity if we'll submit to it. Pray together. Lord, we are uh, humbled by your grace, thankful for community that you give us, thankful for finances you give us to advance your kingdom, Lord. We're thankful for friends and family. We're thankful for new opportunities for you to work in the kingdom of God. And we're thankful, Lord, for you showing us again and again and again that you are steadfast and faithful. Lord, we mostly are thankful for you being our Prince of Peace. And as we get ready for the Advent season, Lord, coming up and starting next week, we're thankful that we get a chance to retell the story of you coming into our reality. We're thankful mostly for you. Guide us, lead us. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.